What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody. I love our intro. You should love it. You wrote it. I didn't write it. I just star in it. Yeah. I mean, it's clear that that I have all the highlights, and you and Kevin are just because you're an award because you're an award winner, the award winning Kevin Grant. I don't know what award I've won. I, I don't know. I really don't. I'm, besides, husband of the year. Did you uh, have you ever won a Super Bowl like the Cowboys are in route to doing this year? Oh. Here we go. Here comes Barry, the traffic driver, with all his really witty segues. Well, we, we, we have a guest out there in, in, in podcast land. Listen, let me tell you something. John Machoda is our guest. He's there. He's waiting. It's not like he's waiting for Jason Garrett to say anything of importance because that won't happen today. Okay? That doesn't happen any day. We also occasionally just drop the intro in there. John, how, how are you today? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Are you at the Star, John? I'm not. I'm actually uh, at my home right now. Uh, Going to head to the Star in a, in a couple hours uh, for a little locker room availability. Oh, and and I think the emphasis there is little, right? <laughs> yeah, Tuesdays really aren't great, but you know what? They're on a three-game winning streak, so maybe there'll be more guys than there than usual. So three-game winning streak, and you know, here's here's what happens is you get a rookie quarterback in there and he plays great and doesn't throw interceptions and leads team to wins and then everybody wants to forget about poor old broken down Tony are just, Romo. Are you describing yourself? Yes, I am describing myself. But now it, it is it's become public fodder now. Like what do you do with Tony when Dak when he when he's ready? And I have maintained this all along. Here's what you do. You put Tony behind center, and you let him play behind center. John, you get any feel that the Cowboys would uh, break from that idea? No, none. As long as Jason Garrett's head coach, when Tony Romo is ready to come back, Tony Romo is, is going to be their starting quarterback. And um, I think it's for multiple reasons. One, if you go away from Romo, then I think you're going away from Romo for good then. Because if you're going to let Dak be the guy, then you're not just going to pull – pull him back out if he has a, a bad game. If, you, if you're going to put Dak in there, he's going to be your, your quarterback going forward with a healthy Tony Romo, uh, then that's signaling that this is his franchise now. I don't see Jason Garrett doing that. Uh, Jason Garrett and Tony Romo have a, have a friendship. Uh, I think it's uh, – I get annoyed by all the folks that always bring up this Belichick uh, bringing in Brady over Bledsoe, and I just always wonder uh, – I just don't remember – uh, maybe you guys do when Bill Belichick was going to all those Celtics and Boston College games with your blood. So I don't I don't remember when those happened. Um, there's clearly a friendship here. Uh, 
Jason Garrett is not going to sit there and replace his buddy in the starting lineup, Tony Romo, when he's ready to come back. Because Dak Prescott's success could buy him another week to possibly maybe uh, heal up even more. But when Tony's ready to come back, it's, it's his team well, well, back under center. What about if there's another injury on the offensive line? And uh, let's say Smith is not, not, not 100%. You already have, and, and Leary is, is not a downgrade from Lyle Collins. What if what what if uh, there's another injury on the offensive line? Would would that go into the Cowboys' thinking? Do you want to you want to put Tony uh, in in the lineup behind an, another backup lineman? I, I really think it doesn't matter at all. I don't I don't think it matters if if he's playing behind the Detroit Lions' offensive line. If Tony Romo says I'm ready to come back, I'm ready to play. Jason Garrett's putting him in there. And uh, and he's going to be the starter again. And and if he feels comfortable enough to go out there, he feels like his back is strong enough to go out there. Tony Romo is going to go out there regardless of who the offensive line is. There there, there are two things about this. Um, and, and first, I don't think you can let the offensive line, the health of the offensive line, dictate it. Because if Romo is your starting quarterback, you have to put Romo behind the behind center. Um, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt, and it demonstrates again that he may be at the end of his career. What I do have a problem with is that Tony Romo, this friendship between Tony Romo and Jason Garrett, because in the hierarchy of the NFL, in the hierarchy of professional sports, you should not be in a position where you are making decisions based on a guy's job, based on the fact that you are friends with him. This is supposed to be a meritocracy. And Jason Garrett says that all the time. That's one of his favorite words. I'm glad that you that you dropped that in there. But I just, you know, he's not. Gonna, he would never admit that. Yeah, I'm, I'm friends with Tony Romo. That's going to factor in. But he's extremely loyal to the Tony Romos, the Jason Wittens, the guys that have been around him a long time. You know, this goes beyond him just being the head coach. It goes on. You know, when he was offensive coordinator, he's known these guys for a long time. He's given those guys the benefit of the doubt, and and those are two of the team leaders. And he, Jason Garrett's an old school football coach, and and he's going to be loyal to those guys. And I just, you know, I just don't see any way that that he would he would go with Dak over over Romo when Romo says he's ready to come back. And here's the other thing, Barry, on this: if you if you went with Dak, if you if you went with Dak and left Romo on the sidelines, and Dak has a crappy first half, you're gonna panic and then put Tony Romo in. You're gonna pull you're gonna pull Dak Prescott after one bad half. You know what do you do then? What if what if the Cowboys have lost one game when Tony Romo was ready to come back. What are you doing? You're still bringing Romo back in. You're I still I, Romo. I still do, John. Yeah, I, I would too. The fans are, you know, are all about what have you done for me lately. So they'll be they'll be uh, calling for Dak to get back in there, but I I still think if you got if Romo's healthy, he's got to be your guy. If it, yeah, I mean if he's not, he's not on your he's not part of your plans and uh you know, you might as well get him out of the the locker room as well. Well, you know, it's funny. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't see him being the backup to Dak Prescott. Exactly. Let's say for the you know for the next two three years that oh we're going to go with Dak and Rumble's going to be his backup. I don't I don't see that happening at all. Well, it's it's funny because I heard Jerry Jones on the radio today and he was talking about not only is he happy with his first string quarterback, he's happy with his backup quarterback right now and d- doesn't feel they would, they would drop an iota in efficiency if Mark Sanchez was was the quarterback. So. Um, I'm I'm not sure who to believe what what they're saying what but let me ask you this why is Jason Garrett sounding so cranky out there at uh, at uh, the star does he miss Valley Ranch that you know, much I, you know it, it everything's changed since we've moved over to the star uh, you know 
like for example, okay, so after after the shootings in, in downtown Dallas, um, I went out to the Rangers uh, game the following day uh, to talk to some of the players about that, and that was the first time uh, I got a chance to be around Jeff Bannister and. Evan obviously knows it before the game. You get that chance to you know sit down in in the, in the manager's office and you know talk about some stuff off the record and, and really get some information and, and and you know some stuff so you can learn stuff about the team that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise known or got from anybody else. We don't get that with Jason Garrett. We used to have these walk-offs at yeah. the Ranch where he would talk to us after uh, the press conferences were over, but he doesn't do that anymore. So then since we got to the star, everything's changed. There haven't been those at all. So it's just what we get at the, at the press conference. And then he started bringing back the walk-offs. He started doing it on the Mondays after after games. So he did right. it the last three weeks after the games. This week he didn't do one, and he was just extremely short. And I don't know if it's because he's angered with the local media, which I don't understand how he could be. Uh, I don't know if he's angered because there's you know endless reports that come out about you know Des Bryant and and you know the Adam Schefter report about him missing meetings or you know. Uh, you know, just stuff on the outside, TMZ reports about, you know, you know, players being at, you know, Snoop Dogg concerts. I don't know why he's doing this, but from what I've been told from people, uh, you know, inside the locker room, I think why he's doing this is because of the fact of he wanted to kind of just show everybody that it's us against the world type thing. He's trying to rally the team behind that, like basically screw everybody on the outside of this locker room. What's in here is what matters. And that's how we're going to go going forward. And uh, so I think that this is basically like just an extension of that. He's going to try and show that, you know, he's not messing around, that he's going to be this, this tough guy coach. He's going to be that way on the podium, too. And, and that's fine. But the problem is it's like, we, well, we know you, Jason, and we know that's not really you. We've been around you plenty of times. So, you know, how long does this last for? You know, and then it was just real strange last week when he revealed that. I'll take a that's situation Brian day by news day. On the conference call with the Niners. Wait a minute. Yeah, wait a minute, John. John, hang on a second. Jay, uh, Jason, how are you going to take this situation? I will take a situation day by day. <laughs> I literally thought of that right when I saw the, the news come out that Navarro Bowman had a torn Achilles attend, or uh, the Achilles injuries I was going to pull out for the rest of the season. I'm like, would Jason acknowledge this, or would we have to find out, like, some other way, uh, we'll or we'll find a situation out a conference day by another, day. another team's reporters. Evan has a new toy here that I think I think we're, our listeners are enjoying now. <laughs> we're all uh, day we'll take day. a situation day by day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I really enjoyed Todd Archer basically asking him if he was okay yesterday. That was yeah, that was my my highlight of too. But then you know what was interesting about that is the way he he uh, kind of like he was serious on his response. But then he kind of smiled a little bit, and then he like looked over to the side. Like I was just like, I mean, am I? Is this a message that we're not getting here? I'm, I mean, I'm glad Todd asked that because I didn't know if there was something that like we were supposed to be digging for that you know that wasn't wasn't going on or something. Because he he has you know he has said to us before you know like why don't you guys do a little bit of work you know like I'm not just going to tell you the answer on this. Why don't you guys do a little bit of work on this? Who who so, is who was he looking at the side at when you said he looked to the side? Was he looking? Well, at I wasn't. I wasn't. I was. I was making my way back from uh, from San Francisco uh, when that press conference was going on. But on all the other press conferences I've ever been at, that would be Rich Dalrymple sitting over there. So that's who I was thinking. That's who he's probably looking at. But I wasn't actually at that one. You know, here's you brought up the Jeff Bannister comparison, and, and there there isn't a comparison between how you deal with a baseball manager and how you deal with an NFL coach anymore because the access at this point, and that could change in the next collective bargaining agreement, you don't know, the the access to a, a baseball manager 
is greatly different than than the NFL coach. And I will say this: the Rangers and John Blake make an ex, an, an extra effort to try and do this in his office at home, so that it is a more casual environment, and so that it doesn't feel necessarily like a press conference. You know, you go to other clubs and you see John Farrell sitting behind a, a desk. A podium. With a Dunkin' Donuts um, product placement uh, ad behind him. Uh, you see Buck Showalter do the same thing. You see Joe Girardi do the same thing. The Rangers try and, and, and get that. And I think that one thing that John Blake does on, on the Rangers PR side is he understands that this is an opportunity for Jeff Bannister to be the club spokesman. And, and, and in that regard, be the club spokesman to be as casual and as conversational as you possibly can. But there's, there's another issue here, too. It's where the Rangers rank... Uh, with media locally and where the Cowboys rank. You know, the Cow- Cowboys could trot out Jason Garrett there every day and have him just say nothing, and the entire media will, sh- will show up also. But to me, this is not about the media. Because, look, if, if it Jason— It is. It's it, it, No, media. it's not. You know, if he wants to say in that press conference and be short, uh, listen, we've all dealt with guys who want to be kind of— uh, difficult on a particular day or on many days, that's fine. You know, we still go home to our wives and that's and, and, and our families, and, and that's what that's where our focus should be, and we shouldn't take that stuff personally. But this is an opportunity for Jason Garrett to address his fan base. This is an opportunity, and every— The fan ev- base will be there no matter what Jason Garrett says. And, and I, guess that's, I guess that's true. They will be there, and it's not even a, a matter of attendance— but you are a spokesman for the club in this regard, and don't you have a responsibility to your fan base to try and give them some some picture of what's going on without necessarily giving away proprietary information? I think you've got a responsibility to your fan base to say, okay, this is what we are dealing with without going into... Well, you know, this is the degree of the tear. This is this is the situation. No, the, the response. But, but hold on. Is, wait, wait, wait. wait just he, before, let he, our guest speak. No, no. I just before he says that, and and John is not a guest. He's a family member, so he, we we could interrupt him. But I just want to say, you know what the fan base is, uh, thinks of Jason Garrett's responsibility is win on Sunday. Period. End the conversation. I know that. I know that. John, it's your, all yours. And, and and okay, this is just my this is my only take on this. This is me coming from from Detroit, and this is what I have to compare it to, what I've been around when I was in, in Detroit, okay? So all you get are your coaches, and then that's it. So that's where you're getting your information from from the top publicly. With the Cowboys, it's different. You say Jason Garrett's the spokesman, but is he? Because you've got an owner that goes on the radio twice a week and then is always available in the locker room after games. So it's kind of like right now, because I've, I've been posting some videos of, of some of Garrett's responses, uh, on Twitter, I'm getting a lot of feedback from fans talking about how good. I hope he he continues to act that way to you guys and gives you nothing right. and, and is and is like Belichick and 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 that's good because you guys were 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 being disrespectful to him last week during your press conference. First of all, no one was being disrespectful to him. He was being asked questions about why it took so long for this Des Bryant news to get out. And when he said, "This is the last question I'm going to take on this," he received no more questions about that. Right. You tell me right now if you think that happens in Philadelphia, New York, Detroit, Chicago. You've seen how that media can get on guys like that. Right. Nobody asked another question. It was very respectful. So if, if if that's the sense, like people, I feel like fans, certain Cowboys fans are just like, ha-ha, he's showing you, like, calm down, guys, because 
it's really not going to change anything in our day-to-day because when he's not doing those walk-offs, he's not really giving us any information at the podium anyway. That's one of, He's great at that. It's one of his best skills is, is talking but not really giving you enough. The flip side of that is, though, is that we do get the owner uh, talking multiple times per week. We get the uh, executive vice president talking multiple times per week. It's different than it is with most teams. So it's like if he acts that way, it's not like it's going to prevent us from being able to write anything. Correct. And, and and again, for me, this isn't necessarily about writing. It's about it's about any message that you, you get to your fans. And as you mentioned, both Stephen and Jerry are available, and they are probably in – in this regard, the the go-to spokesman for the team, and, and, and it's a difficult situation for a head coach to be in in that he is, in a lot of ways, the number three guy on the totem pole there. Here is the question. All of this seems to have, have sprung up over the Des Bryant thing, and it seems to have sprung up over the reports that Des missed 20 to 40. Uh, but it was before that. It was last week with the MRIs, too. Yes, but but on Sunday it, it took another another turn. When the report came out that Des Bryant has missed 20 to 40 team meetings over the last couple of years, uh, according to unnamed sources, is how do the Cowboys view Bryant's uh, responsibility? Do the Cowboys view these meetings as a responsibility of Des's? I, I feel like they, yes, they view them as a responsibility and. And Des feels that way, and Des knows that he made a mistake. He made some mistakes earlier in his career by not being uh, as punctual and not attending as many of these uh, of these meetings. And, and and that goes back to the Schefter report of saying twenty to forty. Uh, if Des, I mean, completely strongly disagrees with that. Okay, so when so I get to the stadium on Sunday, way too early. I got five hours before the game because I was stuck on this Dallas time and I couldn't adjust. So I woke up early. I'm like, I'm just going to go to the stadium. So I figured I'll go down to the field. I'll see you know, what Des is doing in warm-ups or whatnot, and, uh, you know, post some videos and just kind of give a breakdown on what, what he looks like he's able to do with his knee. And he, as soon as he walks out of the tunnel, there's nobody else around. It just I'm just standing there by myself, and he just starts going off to me about how, like, how much he, he it just completely disagrees with this whole, I'm trying to use it without the, the, the swear word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he disagrees with Adam Schefter's report and that he just can't believe that he's a target, and he thinks that it's because, of this injury, if there was no injury, that these reports wouldn't be coming out about him missing meetings. Uh, you know, he feels like he's done a good job of, of going forward of not missing these these type of meetings and, and, and treatments and things like that, that he's gotten better at it. And so Des is the type of person that he wants to put that, if, if something happened in his past, he doesn't want to keep it, it keep being brought up. He wants that in his past. He doesn't. He wants to talk about how he's doing now. So... Yeah, does he does he probably has he missed meetings in the past? Absolutely. Did he miss one uh, last week? Yes, he missed his, his MRI. And I know a lot of people hate that because they think you know that's not how you run a team. But in the NFL, that's how a lot of people run teams. I mean, you can find a guy and that's whatever. But as long as he produces on Sundays at a high level, those guys are going to get the exception. There are good, there's different rules from Jimmy Johnson operated that way. You see it all over sports. There's just superstars get different treatment, and that's right. just how did, it's always pro- probably been and probably always will be. Did, did we ever get to the bottom of the story? Uh, they built a billion-dollar practice facility out there, the Star, out in Frisco. There's no MRI machine in the building. They, they, nobody thought to, to have one there. Is, is that correct? 
Well, no, it's because it's because of the uh, uh, partnership they have with with Baylor, Scott and White. They're when they when they build that that facility there, that's where all that stuff's going to be at. Because they believe once they have that there, they're going to have everything they could possibly ever want. So then that's why they could host. But uh, but but right now it's not there. It's, it's, they don't. It's, it's yeah, insane. Right now, no, 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 no. But going forward, but it's they're not going to put a two million dollar MRI machine in there when they're getting a new facility. The built. Cowboys are right. a multi billion dollar corporation. <laughs> for them not to have an MRI machine out there why? would, would be would be for, for going to the grant home and not having a refrigerator. Barry, they've got <laughs> they've got deals with medical facilities. Uh, when the medical facility is up and running, that would be fine. And it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if if they if the, there was a medical facility or if there was an MRI tube at the at the Cowboys camp. He didn't answer his phone. But they they didn't they didn't have they, and, and nobody could go find him for gosh sake. Apparently not. Okay. Apparently not. Jason said they have ways of communicating with him, though. They have ways of reaching out to him. He didn't say what those ways are, but he has people, I, I guess, think, that I think can it's, contact with him. I think it's telepathy. I think they, they try to go, come in, Dad. Listen, it does not matter. None of that matters where the MRI tube is located, because, and, and it doesn't matter what their alternative methods of communication are. They were not able to convince him to go and get the MRI in a timely manner. Not that this impacted his ability to play last week because the injury was what the injury was. Did it potentially impact preparation? You could make that argument, but you also have to come back and say, hey, Bryce Butler did a hell of a job he on did. Sunday. He what, did. What were your thoughts on that, John, the way Bryce Butler played? It didn't really surprise me a ton just because when he did get some chances last year, he was dealing with a hamstring injury last year, but when he did get some opportunities, he was able to make uh, some nice plays and, and, and even in training camp when, when he was working a little bit with the ones uh, when Des would get a day off or um, or Terrence was, was, was in with the first group he, I mean he was making some, some impressive catches I mean you can see how he could fit in the mix so I mean he's a, he's a solid solid piece but obviously he's nowhere near the Des Bryant level so I mean it's one of those things where I, I think he can continue progressing and, and he'll be a, a, a solid receiver for them uh, without Dez, but it's not one of those things where even like if he does really well, that I feel like once Dez comes back, he's still going to get. There's not. There's just not enough balls to go around for, uh, you know, Dez Bryant, Terrence Williams, Cole Beasley, Jason Witten, you know, throwing to Zeke out of the backfield. So I mean, he's he, he was solid in that game. I thought he performed well, but there's also some balls that he probably should have caught. He had the taunting uh, penalty after he after he had the first down. That could have been a huge, huge you know, deciding factor in the game. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah, he he performed well, but I mean, I think he could be even better. Um, but obviously he's not dead, Brian. What, what's what's the feeling? What is Jason Garrett's feeling about uh, Zeke Elliott's play? Has anybody been been able to decipher that? Oh, I I think he loves it because he's he's Demarco Murray two point He he's doing everything I will take with a him. Situation day by day. <laughs> he's doing everything with him that I fig- I figured he would when you take him fourth overall. You know, I mean, I, I again like on social media you hear from fans talking about how. Is this too many carries? No, this is what they're going to do. They're going to run him into the ground. As long as he's healthy, they're going to keep running him behind this offensive line. And, and their goal is to use him just like they did with Murray, where he's getting 25, sometimes 30 carries a game. And in that second half, especially in the fourth quarter, if they have a lead, they're going to lean on him. As long as he doesn't fumble the ball and as long as he doesn't get hurt, there's just going to be more of that to come. So uh, how he's performed these last two weeks, I mean, Garrett's thrilled. And what about the uh, this? This is the week Demarcus Lawrence is supposed to come back, isn't it? It is, yes. Okay. 
what would you expect to see his playing time be this week, and what impact might he make against uh, Cincinnati? If he was if he was completely ready to go and practice, and I think he could play about forty plays. But since he's not, I think he maybe you see him for maybe twenty five. And I don't think he'll start, but I think you'll see him in, in a lot of the you know third down passing situations as the right defensive end, and that's going to be huge for them because they really don't have a, a, like a pure right defensive end right now without Lawrence, without Randy Gregory. That's the elite pass rushing uh, spot, and uh, they've been working with Jack Crawford playing over there. Who Jack Crawford is a solid player, uh, but he's not really what you would envision as being your right defensive end. They, they were hoping that to be Randy Gregory on the right end, DeMarcus Lawrence on the left, and Lawrence has played almost all on, on the left since he's been with the Cowboys, he's played on both sides when he was in college, but uh, when he comes back, they're going to need him to play on that right side because, you know, they don't, obviously not having Greg Hardy anymore, not having Randy Gregory, he's going to be the, you know, the premium pass rusher that they're going to lean on. He had eight sacks last year, but what kind of impact is he going to make without Greg Hardy? Because Rod Marinelli is always quick to say, when we talk about Lawrence, about how many double teams Greg Hardy got last year that allowed Lawrence to get free and, and, and get those, uh, those eight sacks uh, last year and, and lead the team. John, let's play a little true or false here. You ready? Yep. True or false, Mo Claiborne has been the defensive MVP of the season. True. Why? You changed the game. Thought, no, you, there, it's a true or false essay question. <laughs> you changed. Oh, uh, true. The reason it is because he he's made more plays than anybody else. I mean, I would say uh, – Going into the season, you you're going to lean on on your captain Sean Lee, and that and that's the big guy. And Sean Lee's been solid, but but uh, Claiborne, you know, with the interception was huge. And then the biggest thing with him is that he's been so good tackling in the open field on his own, where I don't think a lot of people were expecting that. And it just really through these first four games, I feel like are the, is really the first time for an extended period that you really are seeing the guy that they drafted sixth overall in, in 2012. And, and I feel like in the past there's been like a game or maybe two games, and then we get hyped about it and write all these stories, and then he gets hurt. And this is the first time he's really been able to be healthy for an extended period of time. Uh, so I thought it was funny after the game, I guess Stephen Jones was uh, uh, grabbed him. I wasn't around with his dad, and I heard from others that uh, grabbed him was just you know basically hugging him and telling him how he's making so much money for himself right now because he'll enter free agency uh, in, in the offseason. And if he's able to play a full 16-game season and produce like he has through the first quarter of the year, he's going to be uh, he's gonna, he's gonna be getting a, a hefty uh, pay increase. Uh, true or false, the defense is better than expected. Wait, wait this is a multiple-choice oh. one. The defense is better than expected, or they've played really crappy offenses. Yeah, I would say false when you, on, on your first part, and, it, and it's because of what you just said. It, they haven't played like anybody that you're really, you know, that impressed with. They haven't, they haven't, you know, they haven't dominated any playoff type caliber teams. I don't, I don't think at least uh, they haven't got enough pressure on the quarterback. They're they're hoping with Lawrence coming in that that that'll change. I think that they've played up to standard, um, but I wouldn't say that they've uh, overperformed or. Or, uh, or surprised anyone by any stretch. I thought they've been solid, um, but the offense is doing a good job controlling the clock, too, and, and, and that's obviously helped. But, I mean, the defense isn't something that they're going to lean on. But by their standards, I, I think they've, been, they've, they've, met, they've met kind of expectations. But keep doing what you did the last three weeks, the next two weeks, and I would say, yeah, you, you're, you're exceeding expectations. Do that against Cincy and Green Bay, then, then that, that'll change things for sure. 
Last last multiple choice question here. The worst quarterback the Cowboys have faced this year. A, Eli Manning. B, Kirk Cousins. C, Brian Hoyer. Or D, whoever the hell played quarterback for the 49ers last week. Yeah, D, Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, that that throw that Morris Claiborne picked off was just a terrible ball. Uh, He went deep. uh, uh, The Torrey Smith, they tried making, you know, trying to get a big play. And uh, just was, it was just not it wasn't good at all. I mean, it was just a bad bad looking ball that I, I don't even know why he threw it where he did. And then uh, it just he, he's just limited. He's just not a guy that you know he's not really gonna he's not gonna do much to just you're not gonna put the game on his shoulders. And when he's a mobile quarterback and and that that's great. But uh, so are you, are you is Gabbard your game. choice or are you take is Gabbard your choice? Yeah, Blaine Gabbard has been the weakest. Can one I play two? Yeah. Oh man, who is your choice? Can, can I play two? I just watched Eli Manning play last night against the, the Vikings, and I, I just, I just, that guy's won two Super Bowls that is going to the Hall of Fame. People think, and I'm, I'm just aghast. I will, and agape, aghast, agape. <laughs> I, I'm just going to tell you that the game that I, the, the, the game that I saw Kirk Cousins have against the Cowboys, leaves me just amazed that there are people being paid money for this kind of performance. Can, can I get in on your true and false game? Sure. Okay. Ask a true or false question. Okay. You ready, John? Or multiple choice yep. or essay or whatever the hell you want to ask. The most, uh, true or false, the most underutilized player on this roster is Gavin Escobar. Oh, my God. Why do you bring uh, this to why do you Wait, wait, let, let him answer. Why do you bring this why do you have this hate? Why do you have halt? this? Why do you have this ban hate for Gavin Escobar? Gavin what Escobar is the spare tire he's of on, all spare He's tires. on the roster, and something is keeping him on the roster. He must be a great. He must be the greatest special teams player of all time. Now, back to my question that we, used, we Evan so rudely interrupted. Under, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with true. I'm gonna say true because of the fact of thank you. I'm not gonna just speak on. I, I can't just speak on right now because of the fact of he is coming off this Achilles injury and maybe maybe he's a limited a little bit. But they want to go with this two tight end. When they go two tight ends, they want him to be strong blocker. He's not a good blocker. But I've said many times there's I've always had this feeling that if Gavin Escobar goes to another team that where they use him more of a pass catcher role, I think he's gonna be solid somewhere else. Do I think he's you know, worthy of a second-round pick? No, but I do think he could be utilized better. But it's just not going to happen with with the Cowboys because of Jason Witten. I mean, they've tried with so many other tight ends to have success, and, and they've drafted so many others in the second round with Martellus Bennett and others. So it, it's it's one of those things that I just don't think that or Anthony Pisano. I just don't think that you're ever going to see another tight end really flourish as long as Witten's here because he gets so much attention. He's going to get so many balls thrown his way. Now, if you would ask me this two weeks ago, I would have said Ron Leary. But because of the Lyle Collins injury, he got a chance to get in the starting lineup, and he's, he's getting to play because I think he is a starter in this league. John, but with Leary now in the lineup, it's, it's Escobar. John, i got to tell you, you're sounding like a record that's supposed to be played at 33 RPMs, and, and we put you on 78. You're, you're, you're just speeding up and speeding up. Let me ask my last true or false. Dan Bailey will be will be the Cowboys' place kicker on Sunday. He will. He will. I, I think he, he's dealing with a back deal where he warmed up before the game, and I guess he was it was kind of tight, but he ended up kicking. I will say this. This is what will happen from him, is that I think you might not see him trying as many, you know, 40-plus yard field goals. Maybe they don't bring him out as much for that, but I don't see him missing the game. I think that uh, he'll, be, he'll be the kicker, um, but I – you know, as Jason Garrett says, they're day to day, and that could change. And maybe they bring somebody in, but as of right now, I, I would bet on Dan Bailey being the kicker against Cincinnati. All right, and lastly, uh, Jason, will you guys be four and one after this week or not? 
uh, we'll take a situation day by day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on, man. Give me an answer. Uh, we'll take a situation day by day. Evan, you got this new toy. I love the way you're playing with that toy. <laughs> we have drops now, Bear. Sure. And, and you're, you're unbelievable. We, we, uh, by the way, John, have you noticed that Kevin Sherrington is not with us today? Have, have, I, I have noticed that. I have noticed that. We killed him. Why would you do that? He was coughing last week. <laughs> he he came back with some crud from. He's from, he's at A and M this week. He 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 was at Texas yesterday. He's at A and M. He's he he went to Texas and he told them a bunch of stuff to try and get everybody stirred up. Now he's at A and M doing the same thing. So he might be he might be out at the star tomorrow just to, just to calm calm yeah, everything I down. He, I hope he is. I haven't seen Kevin a little bit. I'm hoping he comes out to the Rangers workout tomorrow. John, that had to be a bitter pill for you for the Tigers to kind of screw it up in the last weekend of the season yeah i'm, I'm you know I, I try and keep up as much as i can and you know i just i don't know it's like the same thing like you know every year i just feel like they have a roster that's good enough to make a run and then they just keep falling short here so i don't know i don't know if the new manager is what they need but uh i just i don't know there's just this point part of me as growing up as a native metro detroiter and, and seeing them waste barry sanders and seeing them waste calvin johnson uh, with the Lions, I'm just kind of wondering if that's going to happen with Miguel Cabrera. I just, I really thought that he would win at least one World Series with the Tigers, and I'm starting to have my doubts. Well, he's gone to two with them, so I, I got to give yeah. him credit for that. Um, I, I do think that it was just hard to come back from from the deficit that they were in. That said, you know, you're playing a team in Atlanta that lost 90 plus games this weekend. You needed to score a couple runs, and I thought, despite the great September that Miguel Cabrera had, I watched a couple of at bats. This weekend, and they weren't great. Um, before we let you go, John, uh, I don't want I, if, if if Jason will Jason stay stay out of this. Will the Cowboys beat the Cincinnati Bengals and go to question. four and one? True or false? Uh, I'm going to go false on that. I, I don't think Des Bryant's going to play in this game, uh, and I think uh, I just think Cincy's a, a really good team. I know they're they're only two and two right now, but they're a team that. Made the playoffs consistently, even though they have they continue to continuously lose in the first round. But I just think they're a really solid club, and I and I and I just it's the thing with the Cowboys. I just don't really ever feel that they have a home field advantage at all. Uh, I almost think that they are vulnerable at home for some reason. They just don't seem to play their best ball there. So uh, I, they, mean, I think it'll be a great game. Did they have some Bengals. sort of home field advantage in Santa Clara last a couple? Of days oh ago? my God! I was blown away. Like it was it was incredible how many like I. I for a second, there didn't even think I was. I thought I was at a Cowboys home game. Like I couldn't believe. I mean, that that whole fourth quarter, uh, just how loud that place was. Even when they were coming back, even in the first half, when they came back from being down fourteen nothing, that Dak Prescott's second touchdown uh, right before half to make it fourteen fourteen. I could not believe how many Cowboys fans were in there. And I mean, it's like that for most road games, but but that one. Most of all, I didn't get to go to the last time they were in San Francisco. But Ben George told me it was the exact same way. Uh, that time too. So I mean, I think it's one of those things where the, the Cowboys have fans, obviously all across the country, but they particularly have a lot in California. And then I also think that the 49ers fans have, are kind of thinking this probably isn't that good of a team, and probably sold a lot of their tickets to Cowboys fans. But yeah, it was it was like a home game for sure for the Cowboys. Hey, the the last thing I think this becomes a big a big issue in this game. Who who bears the responsibility for trying to shut down or? Uh, at least contain A.J. Green. Where did he go to college, Evan? I, Georgia. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh I'm, I'm sorry. That was a trick question. I got you. I got you. Um, Mo Claiborne. Uh, I, you, I, 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 
And how often did Claiborne have uh, Odell Beckham in the in the opener? Uh, I mean, a decent amount. You know, I mean, he didn't follow him around the entire game. That's not really what they what they do. Right. Um, but but he see when he's been healthy though, Moe's been their best going up against another team's elite receiver. Before he got hurt last year, he, he I thought he played really well against Julio Jones when they played Atlanta. So um, I think I think that he's the guy I, right now. He's certainly their best uh, uh, defensive back right now, um, and, and like you said, I mean, arguably their best defender through the first four games. So um, I think that he's got to go on a lot. But, I mean, Brandon Carr is a big body guy, too. I think he'll get some of him. But, I mean, at the end of the day, these these receivers in the NFL, these elite receivers and with the way the rules are, they're still going to get theirs. I mean, you're not going to shut him down. A.J. Green's not going to shut down to, like, what Odell had the other day. I'll tell you that right now. He's gonna He's still going to get 50-plus yards, probably catch a touchdown. The guys like Green and Jones and, and Dez when he's healthy, and, and even we saw a little bit of this with Crabtree last week, you know, that they are so big and so strong that that they've just got an inherent advantage over just about any defensive back that, that, that's going to try and, and shatter them. I'm just waiting for this influx of young kids that has to be working like 6'3", 6'2", uh, elite athletes in, in the high school and middle school level, they're, they're starting to work as corners because there's so much money to be made if you just have that prototypical size like that because the receivers keep getting bigger and bigger and the corners are, are I mean, you're looked at in the NFL as if you're like six foot, six one, you're, you're looked at corner. being a big corner. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it is amazing that, that we haven't found because I guess there's just there's more value in guys going up who are able to get the ball than guys who are able to go up and, and knock the ball down. And, and that's what the, the, a kid would want to do, too. I mean, uh, if you're an elite athlete and you're 6'3 in, in high school, you're not going to want to, unless you're playing both ways, you're not going to want to be, oh, yeah, coach, I'll play corner. That's fine. You're going to want to be the guy that's the right. star player that right. catches you the game. The, you want the, the glory. Absolutely. You want to be the Evan Grant of the team. You want the glory. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, well, John, this has been great, man. And um, uh, we, we appreciate the time. Thank you for uh, visiting with us. No problem, man. Anytime. True or false, you enjoyed this visit? Oh, true, for sure. I really did. I really did enjoy it. I, uh, uh, I really felt like I got a lot off my chest and really was able to kind of tell you guys how I feel. It was therapeutic. Oh, you haven't told Barry how you feel, have you? Have you really told Barry how you feel about Barry? Yes, we many times, late at night. Yeah, Barry's, Barry's great. We've, uh, we've had many a conversations out of Valley Ranch. I, I, I gotta go now. You know, you didn't play into Evan's little game, so he's uh, he's literally packing his bag. He's walking out. He's wearing a little shirt, a little black shirt, says MLB, which signifies to me, Evan, are you going to be on the MLB Network today? I am. I'm gonna. I'm heading out to the ballpark cam, and I will be on the MLB Network today, talking Rangers. Oh, good. Man, let me. Hey, quick question. Quick question here. Uh, what is like? Do they always go to a local reporter? Does MLB? have like their own reporters are they always because i know you're on all the time and my buddy anthony fennick covers tigers gets to do it all the time i was just wondering how like it seems like it's different than like the nfl network they have um they have uh a group of national reporters but mostly during the week since they have that show every day uh, called the rundown they have correspondence in in pretty much every market and okay so they they go to those guys they go you know and and much credit to them for for recognizing that beat guys do, uh, you know, kind of have a pulse of the club, and and they go to whether it's a beat guy or a broadcaster 
or somebody who is who is with the club on a daily basis. Oh, you, you've made you've made Evan's day. Evan is patting himself on the back right now. No, if I was patting <laughs> myself on the back, Barry, I would pat myself on the back for getting nine of ten Major League Baseball playoff teams correct this year. Okay, nine Whoa. of ten. Which, w- w- and I, who, who let me ask you the question. Let me, I, let me ask you the question your mother would ask you if she was sitting here. Why didn't you get ten out of ten? Exactly. <laughs> Here's why: because I made the mistake. Of 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 counting on the Houston Astros to win a wild card spot. Okay, that's a grievous error. That's grievous. And those underachieving, uh, <laughs> data analytics driven, um, <laughs> numbers crunching, <laughs> sweat city. They they screwed me over. Uh, no, I, I I I they that was the one that I missed and. I think if I had to do it all over again, I think I still would have taken Houston because I think they're a very talented club, and I, I think that, that, quite frankly, they just underperformed this year. Who's winning the World Series then? Well, in that in those predictions before the before the season began, I had the Los Angeles Dodgers losing to the Texas Rangers. And, and that, I think I, I think you're still going to have the Rangers right, but I think that it's going to be the Cubs beat the Rangers. Let me just say this. Here, here's the reason why we do not want to see the Cubs in the World Series because I will fear for my life if the Cub, whether if the Cubs are in the World Series and I have to go to Chicago. I think Wrigley Field is going to be a very and the area around it is going to be a very scary and inebriated place. Evan, you're a tough guy. You're you're a t- you, Evan. You live in Flower Mound for God's sake. You're familiar with that kind of atmosphere. That's right. You know what that mound is. Ant Hill. No, it's all it's all the people who have given me a hard time. That's where they're all buried. Uh, oh my gosh, John! Thanks, well, so, thanks Cubs, so much. When the Cubs win, when the Cubs win, finish your writing and then go over to the Cubby Bear and enjoy it with the folks. Thanks so much for putting up with us for another week. We we really enjoyed having you. And I, actually, John, we've got a we've got a little going away present for you. Uh, okay. We'll take a situation day by day. <laughs> Just take life day Wait, by day. He said he was going to say something nice. I, I can't believe it. Come on, Jason. Uh, Look at take a situation uh, day by day. Uh, All right, I've had enough. Uh, John, thanks a lot. We'll see you soon. All right, guys, take it easy. That was great. He was John. He, he speaks a little fast. Gets talking and and he just talks really quickly. But he makes a lot of good points. And uh, he's a hard worker. Could you imagine being out at a game five hours before it starts? Or are you out every? Every day at every race, I'm at the ballpark usually about five, five and a half hours before the game starts. Because, because you, because I know what you want to see. You want to see what you want to go to visit all the concession stands and no, see, see I, what they have. Honestly, I used to the clubhouse opens three and a half hours before the game, and I used to get there right about three fifteen if it was going to open at three thirty. But now you've got to get out there and you've got to double check your timeline on Twitter, and you've got to. You know, you've probably got a lot, of, a little bit of last-minute research to do, and maybe something to post, and and you want to get the lineup out there, and and so in, instead of getting to the ballpark at three fifteen, I'm usually getting there between two and two fifteen. Do you get paid to actually go out there and cover the Rangers, or do you just do it out of the? It's such a great job. It is a great job. I love my job, but it you know it is a job still. So. Well, this was great. Uh, Tommy's Tommy's giving us the signal that we have to go. I will take yeah, the situation day by day. Shut up, Jason. So. Just shut up. I uh, hope I, I, I I'm gonna text I'm gonna find a way, text John Blake. I want you to ask Jeff Bannister a question and I and, and I will pay money for him to respond just the way Jason did. 
to uh, to your next question. The, here, here is the thing. The the thing about that soundbite is not that he said we're going to take the situation day by day. It's that he said it four times in a row. That's the situation. And and the Rangers will. He will look. Jeff Bannister's not going to give me the roster today, and he's probably not going to give me the roster tomorrow. And he's going to say the same thing when I ask the question. But to every question, he's not going to respond. I uh, will take a situation day by day. So, all right, we we have to get, build up our drops library now. We do because that because I'm tired of what because this is like get, you getting a hula hoop and just go hula hooping twenty four seven. We need we need to see you do something else. Tommy, will you be a, no no no? Tommy, don't hit the drop. Okay. Will, will will you be able to to save that drop? Will we have that on our little soundboard? Yes, it's there. Tommy, you have to speak into the microphone. Oh. Yes, it's there. Tommy's the producer, but sometimes I have we have to encourage Tommy to appear. Tommy, we like you on the broadcast. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. All right. Well, All right. That, we've made the most of our day. I have to go have some lunch, Barry. I, ha- I have to go do some work, Evan. Okay, nice one. All right, we will uh, talk to everybody soon, and that is it. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.